Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every single play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends only at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and the championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today, use your mobile device, sign up, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure, use the promo code BLEAV to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> yes, bitch! Hello, how you doing? How you doing? You doing good? It's the Mikey Likes You podcast. I am Mikey who likes you. Are you who is like very simple little equation? We've gone over this many times. Um, Today I'm going to talk about some things that I have burning up a hole in my head. Things that I think a lot of people are missing. Things that people are confused on and they're basic kind of fundamental principles. And it's not your fault. The problem is, is that we are inundated with so much information and especially in the fitness and health world, you get a lot of information that guarantees you that you're getting a lot of crazy bad information, okay? And it's not necessarily, I don't think the motives of everyone that's putting out bad information is, I don't think their motives are unpure. I think that a lot of bad or what could lead to negative results. A lot of that information sells well because it's very appealing visually and it's very appealing from a technical standpoint. It's kind of elaborate, okay? But because of this, because of this push, be it TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, um, you're, you're given access to just exponentially more fitness information than ever before. It's so much different than I was, when I first picked up weights, it was like you had Flex Magazine and, you know, like a couple websites or forums. But besides, you know, besides that, you were really left to your own devices. Oftentimes I would go and get like old school books at a library. I know it sounds crazy. Um, You might as well churn your own butter. But there was good confidence that the information you were getting back then in order for it to make the muster to get to a publication it was going to be useful and it was going to be meaningful now anyone who has a camera a digital camera can put out stuff with really very little qualifications to do so And also, many people who have the qualifications to do so understand that they have to manipulate the content that they're putting out because a lot of the most important and useful information is not going to get them a lot of engagement. All right, so I'm going to just push through the riffraff, try to lessen the confusion, and give you some basic fundamental tips that a lot of people are, 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 are 
kind of overlooking a lot of mistakes that people are making when it comes to applying and sticking with a training routine and then also exercise selection I'm going to touch on and why certain exercises that have been in popular circles looked at as not very effective, why they become that and why they are actually very effective. Okay, so let's get down to brass tacks. First and foremost, one of the biggest mistakes that people make, myself included, and it is a huge one, and that is program hopping. It used to be this much of a problem in 1999. Now it is a through the roof problem because now you may start a program on Monday, but by Wednesday you've seen some jacked dude doing something different telling you that it is the best way, the optimum way, dare I say the only way for you to get the body of your dreams or the performance of your dreams. And I can't fault that guy or gal because look, they're just trying to make a living too. And I can tell you firsthand that really valuable fitness information isn't that lucrative. <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, but you guys are helping. Speaking of that, if you want to check out my Patreon just to help me out a little bit, but also on top of that, the top tier allows me to be your personal trainer. Virtually, I am there for you 24-7. There is a uh, specific email account just for my top tier clients so that I can correspond with you and your training and your nutrition is a living, breathing creature that moves and changes and pivots with everything going on in your life as you make progress or as you take a break or as you fall off the wagon or as you have a new kid or as you get a new job, whatever it may be, that's the way that you have long-term success is if you have that ability to really keep your training and your eating moving as your, uh, as your lifestyle changes and alters. On top of that, it gives you a pretty high level of accountability because you have someone to kind of bounce things off of and you're reporting back to me. All right, so that's available at my Patreon. I will put the link in the show notes below. Let's get back to it. Program hopping. Program hopping is you start one program and before you can complete it, before you even get halfway through it, you're moving on to the next one because you're bored or you're burnout or you found something that just interests you more. It's a huge problem and it leads to most people spinning their wheels. Why? Because training, the difference between training and exercise is that training is focused and it's calculated and it's progressive. It builds upon the last training session. As you get stronger, as you get more fit, whatever metric you're measuring your fitness by, you are improving it. Therefore, you are progressing and getting better at it. You're challenging yourself more. If you are constantly starting new programs, it doesn't allow you that ability. Also, program hopping creates even more kind of psychological dissonance between you and the focused, engaged person that needs to be there when you're engaging in training. Because like I, I was alluding to, training is focused and it's progressive. And it's scalable. Exercise is just breaking a sweat. is moving your body in a physical manner to burn calories, 
right? It's, it's moving your body in a way that gets your heart rate elevated. That's exercise. Training is very focused and you are engaging in things that you have the ability to look back upon, analyze, and build from. You're not capable of doing that if you're changing your program from week to week. Okay? Because you may have confusion on what it is you want to achieve when it comes to fitness. You're thinking, I want to get stronger, but I also want to be leaner. And I, I'm like, you know what? I want to be a monster. Actually, I just want to get better at my given sport. So I want to be in better, uh, have a better gas tank for that sport, whatever it may be. But constantly within your own mind, screw the stuff that you intake. Just internally, you're having constant confusion and banking from left to right. I will tell you, regardless if you go from one program that isn't optimal for your goals to another one, by virtue of just sticking with one program, you're going to get closer to your goals. Regardless if even one program that you're leaving behind to go to is more optimal to hitting your goals, by virtue of just sticking with something through its completion, and having the ability to get better each time with each workout, with each session, and to engage in a proper amount of recovery to be able to improve with each subsequent session, that is going to get you closer to what you're looking for, regardless of what it may be. A higher VO2 max, a higher deadlift, uh, a lower body fat level, you fill in the blank. Because that is part and parcel the difference between exercise and training. You are not aimlessly just breaking a sweat. You are building upon things to progressively and gradually get to a higher level of fitness by whatever metric you're measuring that by. Okay? So I, I, I really highly encourage, with, with deep passion, avoid program hopping. If you start a five by five strength block, stick with that for the eight weeks or the six weeks that it's there for. If you started a basic kind of hypertrophy routine that's a little bit higher volume, okay? Um, stick with it, at least to its completion. And it gets me to tip number two. You must be keeping a workout log, be it digital, be it old school pen and paper. I don't care. But you cannot, you cannot be honestly reporting that you are training to your best abilities if you are not recording what you are doing in the gym. It is utterly impossible. The only exception would be if you have a personal coach with you who is doing that for you. Outside of that, you must keep a workout log. A workout log is as important a fitness tool as a barbell or a dumbbell. I am not using hyperbole when I say that. Because as we talked about earlier, training, really training, training to make a difference, training to create adaptations has to be progressive meaning that it gets tougher, that you are gradually exposing yourself to more and more difficulty. It is impossible to do that if you don't have a point of reference to grow from. And no matter how much you think you are a Rubik's Cube champion, 
bear trap type memory mother effer, you will not remember exactly how many reps you were able to achieve with this given weight and how much weight you were using and then how, what it was like to achieve that. What was your rate of perceived exertion to get eight reps with 45 pounds? These are all the things that go into your workout log so that next time you go back to train that movement, you are capable of growing from there. Okay? Awareness of what you want to do is huge, but so is analysis of what you've already done. It's a key component. So, understand the difference between exercise and training. And when engaging in training, don't program hop, commit to one training routine. Finish it out. At that point, you will have a higher level of, of fitness to then go look to what it is you thought you wanted to, 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 to jump to initially. And you will be better off for it. You will be a better athlete regardless of what the metrics are that you're measuring it by. Okay? Also, you must keep a workout log. Now, here's something that comes up a lot when I talk about tip number two, keeping a workout log. You will say, I watched a video of Dwayne The Rock Johnson or, or, or Big Rammy, fill in the blank. They didn't keep a workout log. You're right, they probably didn't. Having had a time of working out for decades at Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, I watched the best of the best in all different fields of athleticism and physique training train right next to me. And most of them did not keep a workout log. Why? Because they don't have to. They don't have to. You do. What do I mean by that? Well, Here's an, here's an analogy I will give you that hopefully provides a little bit more clarity with this idea. I used to coach Little League Baseball, okay? And my favorite year of doing it was farm. They were seven, eight-year-olds. And when I would coach every season, I would at least, at least once I would take the kids on my team to the Dodger game. You know, the whole team would go and a lot of parents would sign up to go too and it would be fun. And uh, I was constantly hammering home this idea because at seven and eight, fundamentals is all that matters. You don't need to be getting into elaborate ideas and the nuances of baseball. You need to be hammering home fundamentals. Eye on the ball, okay? Don't step, don't just, you know, step in the bucket. Kind of keep your eye, try to drive it back up the middle, things like that, right? And in the field, I was always constantly Two hands to the ball, glove hand down, want a ground ball, and then you cover with a come up, elevate to throw to first base, to throw out the runner. Okay? None of this fancy schmancy hot dog stuff, like one hand, just your glove hand on the run, and then you toss it over underhand. I'm constantly hammering that home, hitting ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. These kids get in between, ball in between your legs, you know, you square up, boom, two hands, elevate to throw. And we go to the Dodger game, and sure enough, first ground ball to the shortstop. What does he do? He, you know, just olays it to the side elegantly and then pops it under, like practically underhand, sidearms it to first base. Bullet. Kid turns over to me. I thought you said, I said, I, you're right. They don't have to. They're in the major leagues. 
They're so spectacularly amazing at baseball that they can do a lot of stuff that us mere mortals don't have to do. Their hand-eye coordination, their neural function, their ability, the amount of reps, it's just crazy. Their arm strength, they can fire, the guy can throw it underhand 10 times faster than I could with a pitcher's windup. So don't try to apply these ideas of what professional bodybuilders, professional physique models are doing because you see them do it because it doesn't really apply. They don't have to. Frankly, a lot of them can train like pure shit and eat bullshit and still look better than 99.5% of the world. That's the God's honest truth. And it, it sucks sometimes to realize that, but it also gives you a little bit of solace because you're like, oh, wait a second. Maybe I don't have to hold myself to that standard because I, God didn't put me on this earth to just be that way. <laughs> like some other people, but some other people did. And it's a very small percentage of people. And I will tell you this also, there's a lot of the best of the best that do keep workout logs, and that's sometimes what makes them the best of the best. Hey, fellas, look, confidence in the bedroom is really important, and I understand it can be embarrassing to try to deal with that if you identify a problem. Well, Blue Chew is here to save the day. Blue Chew, it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. All right? You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is super simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part is you don't have to deal with the embarrassment of waiting in line at the pharmacy, going to the doctor's office, zero awkward conversations. It all comes right to your door and you get to avoid all the stuff that I know you don't want to deal with. Listen, the bedroom, when it goes down, you want to be able to perform. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? So get yourself some Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Mikey. Receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. Gosh darn it, do we ever thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. Remember to use that promo code Mikey at checkout. Oh boy, I'm going to tell you about a spoon, a magic spoon. Growing up, cereal, it was one of the best parts of being a child, right? Getting a bowl of cereal, some ice cold milk, mm, it made your whole day. Well, when we're all trying to eat better as adults, why not have the number one ace up your sleeve right in your pantry at all times? And that is Magic Spoon cereal. It tastes as good, if not better, than all of your favorite childhood cereals. But you don't get any of the junk. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's just a bunch of regular old sugary cereal with a, some protein powder added in. Oh, no, 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 no. Zero grams of sugar, 13, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, only 140 calories per serving, and it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Amazing flavors. I've tried every one, and they're all delicious. Peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple, waffle, fruity, cocoa. Oh, man. All of them are delicious. And they, like I said, they all taste as good as your favorite childhood cereals. So head on over to magicspoon.com slash Mikey, 
Grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your entire order. Magic Spoon's so confident in this product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this here episode. All those kind of urban legends about Kobe Bryant who not open for debate was a God-gifted athlete, could have gotten away with being an all-star for 10 seasons by kind of phoning it in most of the time. But there was a reason why he elevated himself to Kobe Bryant status because he did all the stuff that all the other players weren't doing, even though he had so much God-given talent. So there are plenty of Mr. Olympia winners. And, and, you know, Dorian Yates is a perfect example. Dorian Yates, during his era, was unarguably the greatest bodybuilder on the planet. He was the first guy who was a mass monster who changed the way we look at the entire sport. You saw him, you know, a couple weeks out from a show, and you're like, whoa, that doesn't even look human. And he was meticulous about keeping notes all the way up till the time he retired, from the second he picked up weights to the second he retired. So not everybody who is the best of the best is avoiding some of these fundamental ideas. But believe me, you can't afford to. You can't afford to. It does make the difference between getting what you want and not getting what you want and continuing to spin your wheels. All right, so let's move on a little bit and talk about exercise selection. There are some, in my opinion, bread and butter. You can't avoid doing these exercises that people often avoid for one reason or another. The word is out when it comes to deadlifting and squatting. People understand that maybe you you have an injury or you're not capable because of your biomechanics for doing those exercises, but you understand that they're important and they probably should be done. But there are handfuls of other exercises that people just won't do. And I'll program them for people and they will nine times out of 10 go back, well, can I do fill in the blank instead of? And I go, why? And they say one of two things. I, I just don't see people doing them a lot. So I, I know, or it's a chick exercise. That's not really like a manly exercise. Or number three, it's too hard. That should tell you something. The it's too hard should actually tell you something. Because as we talked about, training creates adaptations. And oftentimes, in order to get adaptations from the human system, from this biological machine that you call your body, you gotta do stuff that fucking sucks. But you can ascend to a, a higher level by simply getting to the point where you learn to love the stuff that sucks the most. The example I was gonna give you is with me in jujitsu. I was constantly frustrated by grappling of all sorts because doing the things that make you better fucking suck. There was a period of time where I would avoid it and I just kind of stayed in the same spot. Then there was a period of time where I just forced myself to do it even though I was recognizing as I was doing it that it sucked. Then after a period of time of doing that, I ascended to this level where I learned to love the shit that sucks. And lo and behold, I've gotten a lot better. And I want to train more. And the same thing goes for training in the gym with strength and conditioning. Once you get to the point where you can acknowledge that, yes, this may suck, but this is what I need to do to get to where I want to be. 
you can practice that and then ascend to the level where you learn to love the stuff that sucks the most. Oftentimes it comes with some evidence that you're getting closer to where you want to be. All right, so what are these exercises I'm referring to? First and foremost, the chin-up. The chin-up is the one of the best overall upper body development tools in the world. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. It is tremendous at training the lats, the upper back, and the biceps and brachialis. Also, a latent benefit, it gives you great advancements in your grip strength, which is very, very important. Okay, why do people often avoid the chin-up? Because chin-ups are hard, even if you're strong. Why? Because this exposes power to weight ratio. You can be 280 pounds, one of the strongest guys in your entire gym, deadlift through the roof, you're squatting a million pounds. But doing a chin-up when you're 280 pounds will expose you. And some of the greatest physique athletes I know who are jack and big still are capable of doing high reps with chin-ups, even adding weight to that. It makes a difference. There is a difference between strapping weight onto your body and doing a chin-up for five reps as opposed to just putting the pin at the bottom of the rack and doing a chin grip pull down. What is that difference? Well, the, we're gonna talk about closed chain versus open chain movements. Closed chain movements keep the extremities of your body, the, most, the, the highest level of extremity in the human body would be the feet and the hands. Closed chain movements keep those closed or in a fixed position while the body goes into motion around them or above them or below them, okay? Examples of that would be squat, lunge, chin-up, pull-up, push-up, as opposed to the open chain where the body, by and large, is in a fixed position and the extremities are moving in open space, being like a chest press as opposed to a, uh, a push-up, a uh, leg extension as opposed to a squat, or a hamstring curl as opposed to a, something like a deadlift or a hinge movement, right? Okay, so you have closed chain versus open chain movements. Do I think you should avoid open chain movements or isolation movements as they're often looked at? Absolutely not. But they should be used as an adjunct to what you're doing with your closed chain movements, which is the foundation of your training program, regardless of how you get there. And you will see gigantic monsters and shredded people of all genders, all ages, and all walks of life avoiding doing chin-ups and doing a bunch of like hammer work and doing a bunch of cable work. And, and there's one reason and one reason alone. It's really hard to do the chin-up. Old school bodybuilders, the Arnolds of the world, the golden era, the silver era, the bronze era, it doesn't matter. They were constantly doing chin-ups and pull-ups. And there is a difference. I like the pull-up, I do the pull-up, but I want to build 
core strength movements around the chin up for a couple reasons. One, it's easier on your shoulders, much easier. Also, it puts you in a better kind of range of motion and also a better kind of plane of movement to encourage strength development. You're actually stronger in the chin up by, by a long shot. And it's something that I don't fear telling people to go balls to the wall with, whereas pull-ups is something that I would be reluctant to even really, really strong, really, really fit people to like add weight to and stuff because it's putting your shoulder in a precarious situation. Now, does that mean avoid pull-ups altogether? No. In fact, pull-ups are great, especially for more of a physical therapy and for shoulder health, you know, dead hangs, and then just occasionally like working lower reps, lower volume of all letting that back stretch out and then pulling the chin above. Like I said, I do pull-ups. I do them. But I go ham on chin-ups. And you should too. You may be saying to yourself, I can't really do one. So what? Work on your negative and then you build progressively from there. At my Patreon account, I have the program that I gave to my wife who could not do one chin-up. And in six to seven weeks, she was doing five full chin-ups with like a real negative and everything. And it's, you just gotta have the patience and the ability to progressively overload it and grow that ability. And I guarantee you, your arms will look better, your upper back will look better, okay? The other exercise that I wanna talk about that most people avoid, especially dudes, and that is the walking lunge. Why? Most common answer I hear, that's a chick exercise, dude. It's not hardcore. I could do, dude, I could, Squat like 315 for reps. You think I'm gonna really carry around these 25 pound dumbbells or put, put 95 pounds on my back and do some walking lunges? That I, look at those chicks over there, they're doing it, they're doing it. Yeah, you're right. Um, not a lot of hardcore heavy lifting dudes like to do the walking lunge. Except for Ronnie Coleman. <laughs> Except for Ronnie Coleman, there's a reason why dudes avoid the walking lunge and the guidos who are all puffy doing their hammer strength chest press and, and their leg press and avoiding it altogether because it's fucking really hard and it's really easy to go, oh yeah, well that's a chick exercise, like step ups or most any unilateral lower body closed chain complex movement. They love to go, well, that's a chick exercise. I'm gonna go squat, I'm gonna blah, 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 blah. Bottom line, it's really hard. Walking lunges are great at building strength in the glutes, the ham glute tie-in, giving your knee health, and just growing really nice looking sets of legs. They're also great for athletes of skill sports because you get Beyond anything else except maybe the back squat if you're really going balls to the wall with the walking lunge, you get an incredible cardiorespiratory effect on top of it being a fantastic strength exercise. It's a great mental strength trainer because they suck. They suck. You are breathing heavy. Everything hurts in a good way and you go deeper and you get that nice stretch right up in the top of your hamstring where your glute connects. And you're working a unilateral lower body exercise, which is so much more applicable when you take it out into the real world and you do things. Work capacity increases. 
positive metabolic effects and it absolutely makes you a stronger athlete. Do I want you to not do squats so that you can do walking lunges? No, but I do think people should incorporate walking lunges. If you're so desperate to get lean and shredded and have a beautiful muscular physique, instead of going on those meaningless jogs or getting on the stair climber, how about spend 20 minutes of doing body weight lunges and constantly see how many you can do and just keep going higher and higher and higher. Trust me, you'll be breathing harder and sweating more than you will on any other cardio machine and you'll get more out of it and you won't end up with that stringy flat butt marathon runner look. What weighted carries are to the upper body, I feel the walking lunge is to the lower body and I encourage everybody to use it and add it in. And don't let anyone online convince you not to do it because it's a chick movement or it's not hardcore. Because like I said, it may not be that hardcore for you, Puffy Guido, but it's certainly hardcore enough for Ronnie Coleman. And it's very versatile. You can load up heavy weights onto a barbell and try to do five reps each leg, you know, 10 total. Or you can go balls to the wall, cut that weight in half and try to do 20 each leg. And then on top of that, you're getting like extremely, extremely demanding kind of metabolic stress on top of your strength development. It is an awesome exercise. Do not avoid the walking lunge. Regardless of what your goal is, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of what you're perceiving to be hardcore and not hardcore. Third and final movement is the push-up. And here I have to give caveats. And that is people who want to bench more oftentimes can't do a couple push-ups. The problem with it though, is that if you opt for doing push-ups instead of doing bench press, is that you're not going to be stressing your chest the right way. Therefore, you should be adding weight to the push-up, but that can be difficult and weird and awkward. But if you are in a position as a man and you can't do 10 regular push-ups, if you're in a position where a as a woman who can't really do two or three regular push-ups not from your knees, you need to be focusing on that and progressing in that. I don't want to just across the board tell you avoid benching, avoid dumbbell benching, whatever it is like more traditional kind of strength and hypertrophy movements for the chest. This is one reason why. Because the chest is almost all fast twitch muscle. And the chest needs to be hammered with heavy resistance. You're not going to achieve what you're looking to do with your physique by only doing push-ups. You're not. Because as you get better at push-ups, what, what does that mean? You can do more push-ups. And that's not gonna really matter much because the, the level of resistance stays the same. But just like with the chin-up, it is always something that you should incorporate because it gives you an idea on what your power-to-weight ratio is. That's great that your bench press went up 50 pounds this year, but your body weight went up 100. If you're a competitive power lifter, awesome. But most people aren't. 
And power to weight ratio is what most people wanna harness because that, as you get stronger, yet your body weight is staying the same or going down, is where you start to see beautiful physiques for both men and women. So if you're constantly just focusing so deeply on the bench press or the dumbbell bench, whatever it is, your kind of common hypertrophy and strength exercises for the chest and avoiding doing push-ups, you're missing one key component, that if the push-up is not easier for you to perform, if you are not getting better at the performance of the push-up, then you're not getting a higher level of power to weight ratio. All of this can be cleared up by doing the weighted dip. I do weighted dips. I like the weighted dip. It is a great way to see your push power to weight ratio, as is the chin-up to pull power to weight ratio. But the dip can be dangerous to people's shoulders. So I never like to just blatantly say, go and do it. It's a person-to-person thing. Give it a shot. The dip can put people's shoulders in a precarious situation. Uh, I find it okay for me. So... I will put that as exercise number three, B, because it it is absolutely a recommended exercise that most people avoid doing that will give you all the benefits of that fast twitch training for the chest, especially in the lower portion and the outer portion, which a lot of guys struggle with. And it is a great test of power to weight ratio. And to increase your ability to progressively overload it makes for a better physique. Absolutely. But it is dangerous and it can harm the shoulder. So I am not including it as a core one of the three. It's 3B. Three in parentheses. Let's go ahead and recap what I have talked about. I want to give the two biggest mistakes slash tips for you to really make your workout routine work. And that is do not, do not program hop and always keep a workout log. I don't care if it stinks. I don't care if you don't want to. You are leaving money on the table and you will continue to spin your wheels if you are going from program to program each week and you don't complete them. And also, if you are not meticulously keeping notes about your performance in the gym, it gives you no ability to analyze what you've done and therefore grow from it. All right? Three exercises that you should be doing that the world as a whole has told you not to do. The chin-up, especially the weighted chin-up if you get strong enough to do it, which you should. The walking lunge and the push-up dip if you can do it. Okay? Why is it so great? If it's so great, why don't people do it by and large? It's too hard. It's too hard. Seriously. Guys all over the world with cut-off sleeves will tell you they don't lunge not because it's too hard. They'll tell you, that's a chick exercise. Trust me. It's because they'd be breathing like, like they were hyperventilating after doing three or four reps. Big meatheads and, 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 and people who uh, will walk around the gym telling people how to do stuff. You know, those annoying guys and gals. They don't do chin-ups. They do pull-downs. Why? Because chin-ups are freaking hard. People who can do half their body weight for five reps added onto their body with a chin-up, five reps. I weigh 180 pounds. I'm, I strapped on a 90 the other day. 
I got four reps. I'm going for five, six, hope, grow. See what I can do with it. When you get there, you get to the point, trust me, you, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts that you will have awesome looking upper back and arms. It's, it's, it's inevitable because you can't be fat and do that and you have to be strong as shit in your brachialis, your grip, upper back. There's a reason why people don't let you in on this magic because most people think it's too hard. And the push-up can be so humbling to people to do real push-ups, like real push-ups. It can be so humbling to people that they avoid it. And it's much easier to allow you to grow man tits while you're getting heavier, heavier, heavier bench press numbers. And you're like, "Um, but it's like, "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you to all my sponsors. Thank you so much to you, the listener, the viewer, tell a friend, spread the word, make this show bigger, please. For me, if you could, if you like it, I appreciate it. Leave a comment, subscribe. Like, download things. Yeah, we got to beat the machines, man. It's just like they said in Terminator, man. All right, I love you. In this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, we do. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcast. Yes.